0: There's a lot going on surrounding the coronavirus, and and while we should be cautious and use wisdom, we must fight against living in fear. In times of crisis, you know, stress can wreak havoc in our minds and bodies if we let it. Don't get me wrong, fear is a natural emotion, but through God's Word, we have power to overcome it. 1 Peter 5 and 7 teaches us to give all our worries and cares to Him. Because He cares for us Second Timothy 1 and 7 reminds us That God has not given us a spirit of fear But of power and of love And of a sound mind Sometimes there's nothing you can do to control your situation But in times like this We look to what God has put in us To overcome what's around us And I want to encourage you to build your faith And find peace in God's Word Go to GraceChurchVA.org To listen to my latest series titled No Fear. Also, get a copy of me reading all of the healing scriptures in the Bible from Genesis to Revelation as a free download. I love you, I'm praying for you, and we will get through this together.
1: We are excited to announce the Live Big television broadcast is back on BET on Sundays at 7 a.m. There are a few other changes, so visit derekreer.com to view the full broadcast schedule and much more. You were made to
0: think big, too big. Tomorrow can be bigger Just grow Let the world overflow Give a life bigger than yourself You're created for greatness Give a life bigger than yourself
1: to Live Big with Dr. Derek Greer, Senior Pastor of Grace Church in Dumfries, Virginia, where we are reaching the lost, empowering the hurting, assimilating the lonely, and leading our generation for Christ. Visit gracechurchba.org for this message and to find out more about grace and how you can grow in Christ. We serve a big God and believe that His Word calls for us to live big, so our hope is that this broadcast inspires you to live the big, full life that God has for you. Here's Dr. Greer.
0: John chapter 1 beginning with verse 47 jesus saw nathaniel coming toward him and nathaniel had just asked philip could anything good come out of nazareth but despite his reservations about jesus about jesus's origins nonetheless he came to investigate He would not let his personal prejudices or biases get in the way of his quest for truth. And when Jesus saw him coming, he commented, Behold an Israelite indeed, in whom is no deceit. Jesus uh, immediately read him and the situation. And what he said to Nathan, and God was encouraging him because he knew what he had, the hurdles he had to get over on the inside to to, to come and, and meet Jesus. But he, he said to Nathan, you are for real. You are the, the real article. You are the genuine article, if you will. You, you are what I'm looking for, Nathan. And when he said that, and by the way, God's looking for real. God God don't need a whole bunch of phony religious fake stuff. He wants real people, real lives, real change, to have real relationships with the real God. So when Jesus read him, Nathaniel said, well, how do you know me? I just met you. And Jesus answered him, before Philip called you, when you were under the fig tree, I saw you. Now many of us may not know this because we're not Jewish and we don't live you know a a couple thousand years ago but sitting under a fig tree was a Jewish euphemism for studying and meditating on the scriptures. Often people would read under fig trees and again a fig tree was different than a synagogue so it was your personal time of of devotion. And what I want to say here, and and I think it's important to, to see in this scripture, God always sees and God always rewards our sincere study of the word. Nathan was a student of scripture. He was really seeking God. And what he was saying is, I saw you as you pursued me. I, I know you searched for, you know, where the Messiah would come in the scriptures. And, and he said, you know what? It doesn't come out of Nazareth. In fact, it comes out of Bethlehem. And, and, and he understood that, you know, he was a student and, and he rewarded it, even though he didn't have it all right. And the Bible said that the Messiah would be born in Bethlehem. Didn't say he'd live there forever. But but still, even though he didn't get it all right, Jesus honored him and he met him in this moment. But then Nathaniel answered him and said, Rabbi. You are the son of God. You are the king of Israel. This is important. Because Jesus first saw Nathan, Nathan was able to see Jesus. We only love Jesus. We only respond to Jesus because he first what? Loved us. None of us in this room, though we say we found God, but how many of y'all know God's not lost? Yeah. Yeah. We don't find God. God finds us. Jesus answered and said to him Because I said to you I saw you under the fig tree do you believe Nathan is this all it takes to convince you that I am the the the, the Messiah you know if that's all it takes man I haven't even gotten started yet come on, come on. He said you will see greater things than these You saying Nathan things that people had uh waited generations to see you are going to see in just a few days from now john 2 and 1 he's picking up from where we just left off the scripture says on the third day just three days after meeting jesus the miracles began you see, in this new season that we're entering in, it's not going to be about a whole lot of time. It's just going to be about people who can believe, people who can follow, people who can trust. You hear what I'm saying? What took a long time in the last season, I, I feel like repeating, is not going to take a long time in this season. It was the third day. He had just met Christ. Miracles started happening. There was this wedding in Cana of Galilee. By the way, guess where Nathan was from? Yeah, Galilee. God wants to do some things in the place you live. In fact, let's look at that in the scripture. Let's be students like Nathaniel of the scripture. John was listing the disciples and he said, Simon Peter was, was one of the ones he mentioned. But then he said, Thomas the twin. And then Nathaniel of what? Cana. Of what? Galilee. Jesus immediately went into Nathan's hometown. So when you move from chapter 1 to chapter 2, the story continues because, again, he's talking to Nathaniel. But then he goes to Nathaniel's uh, hometown. In the place that mattered most to Nathaniel, Jesus began to, to, to work miracles. I'm suspicious of any gospel that only works at church. The message Jesus had and the miracles Jesus had not only happened at church... Not only happened with 10,000 people watching, it didn't just happen in front of TV cameras. They happened in people's homes, people's communities, and where the real folk lived. Back to John 2 and 1. There was a wedding in Cana of Galilee. Now, we know from previous studies that in Israel, as in much of uh, the Middle East, weddings were often week-long affairs at this point jesus had already been baptized by john in the jordan he was really on his final lap in in, in humanity's redemption if you will and it wasn't going to be long before he died but notice he took a week out of his limited time on earth to attend a wedding not a day Weddings lasted for at least a whole week. He took an entire week to visit and attend a wedding. So stop pretending God doesn't care who marries whom. Stay with me. And the mother of Jesus was there. Mary had probably been ostracized ever since the birth of Jesus, everybody didn't understand what went on everybody's not always going to get what god's doing in your life and you, you just got to get over that and realize that that comes with the territory but we see here she didn't become a bitter old woman mad at everybody because they didn't get her eventually she obviously overcame the the rumors because we see here that people started inviting her again to their events so Mary's mother was at this wedding. In fact, she probably had a high position. Maybe she was even overseeing the wedding because when when trouble came, she was the person they went to. But in verse 2, it also says, now both Jesus and his disciples were invited to this wedding. Now, we know that weddings, even today, are still very festive events. But back then... Uh, a wedding was was absolutely festive you didn't go to a wedding with a sad face the idea that Jesus was this miserable sour-faced individual gets absolutely no support from scripture you might see it on a stained glass window but you don't find it in the book in this period it's real important listen to me here in this period, we, we, we'll say, you know, in our wedding invitation, I cordially invite you to, you know, uh, attend the wedding of yada, yada, yada. That's not the way the weddings were, were addressed back then. The way uh, an invitation went out was literally, I invite you to rejoice and dance at my wedding. You did not just sit down and attend. That was rude. You rejoiced and you what? Dance. So according to scripture, Jesus not only laughed, he what? danced. That's going to mess up some of your religion. You hear what I'm saying? Matter of fact, when you study a little closer, if you were a special guest of the bride or bridegroom, they would ask you to come dance a solo. I wonder what Jesus might have danced like. I wonder if it was syncopated or a little cool like that. I don't know how he did it. But when we get to heaven, we're all going to see that he knows how to do his thing. Now, we act like we invented dancing, like we invented laughing. The Bible says he who sits in heaven laughs. Our God created the smiles on our faces. He put the muscles there for it to happen. Verse three, and when they ran out, be honest, who like me in this room, sometimes runs out of things you're supposed to not run out of yeah and when they ran out of wine wine periodically in scripture represents judgment but more times than not it represents joy psalms 104.15 1.104.5 i'm trying to say (laughs) pray for me But the psalmist says, wine gladdens the heart. Have you ever ran out of wine or joy, gladness in your life? Ever have more guests than joy? More people depending on you than happiness on the inside? This was a real situation. And in the middle of it, they ran out. He said, when they ran out of wine. The reason I'm in this text today is because I thought the Lord was talking to me this week, saying, Derek, you don't have to hide that every now and then. You stop enjoying the things you're supposed to continue to, to enjoy. What do you do? When you find yourself in a moment in life where you're just not happy anymore. The next verse tells us. The mother of Jesus said to him, obviously the host had confided in Mary. You see, the host was not like many of us. She didn't pick up a cell phone and give Pookie and Ray Ray a call. But they took their problem to someone they knew who had a relationship with Jesus. What do you do when you run out of wine? What do you do when you're doing what you're supposed to do? I mean, you're supposed to have weddings. You're, you're supposed to take care of the people around. But what do you do when it's not fun anymore? Everybody needs somebody to talk to. So they immediately turned to Mary. In this culture, at this time, it was a disgrace to run out of food, any of the beverages, or anything needed at a wedding. And because they ran out of wine, this family would become a laughingstock. People would make fun of them. They would become the butt of jokes, all because of this incident. So for this family, a whole lot was on the line. The Scripture still says... They have no wine. Mary recognized they no longer had what they used to have. And the host was afraid that people might find out. Have you ever been in a situation you no longer have what you used to have and you're afraid that people might find out? But they brought the issue to the right person. And this person didn't go and tell everybody she brought it to jesus and then jesus responded to her woman how many in this room are from a family like mine and you know that any conversation that begins with you and your mother with you beginning by calling her woman typically doesn't end well yeah now in this culture this statement was not particularly offensive like it is in ours. But Jesus was clearly, yet politely, distancing himself from mama. He says, woman or, or, or ma'am, Jesus was not nobody's mama's boy. And, and, and these pictures that people draw of him, I don't know where they get them from. He says, mother, what does your concern have to do with me? Ma, I recognize you still see me as your baby boy, but I've stepped into a new season in my life. Ever since Jordan, I'm no longer just, you know, the, the guy in the shop. I'm, 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 I'm not the son. Of I have been announced as messiah. I'm now in my office. You know, this is the challenge sometimes I have with people. This is why sometimes I got to be careful about friendships and relationships because people can't always distinguish. Because when people start knowing me as Derek, they can't receive Bishop anymore. They just think, you know, I'm being, no, no, no. That, when, when I speak for my office, that's a whole different thing. So, so sometimes I can't even do that. I, I got to always be Bishop because you can't ever handle Derek and you can't switch in between. I feel like I'm ministering to myself a little bit this morning. So the, ch- the challenge here is familiarity. She knew the person, but she had to learn to honor the office. She's like, I changed your diaper. I burped you. And he's like, Jesus had that. He did have a diaper. He didn't need to be burped. He became a human being like one of us. He knows everything that each of us goes through. And sometimes you can know a person too well and so well that you can't hear him anymore. So he says, Ma, I got to push you back a little bit my hour has not yet come ma'am my miracles have meanings and if i do this you're gonna think i'm doing it for a reason different than i'm really doing it so so you think that i'm gonna do this because i'm the messiah that's now gonna throw up the shackles of rome and and i'm gonna create my kingdom on earth but it's not time for that mom So so you're kind of tempting me here And and there's going to be a misunderstanding It's not that Jesus is wrong, it's just that she misunderstood She said What you want me to do is not Time for, I'm not going to establish My earthly kingdom, i got to go to the cross first When he said this to his mother, what happened? Did his mother get offended? No He had such a healthy relationship with, With the people in his life That he was able to be honest with her You know in relationships, disagreements are inevitable. Disrespect is optional. That's, that's important to learn. She said to the servants, she, she, when, when, when he checked her, she backed up and said, okay, you're, you're the Messiah, and I'm going to treat you like the Messiah. So she turned to everybody else. And said, whatever he says to you, do it. Mary has just given you the single greatest key to maintaining a great relationship with Jesus. Find out what he wants you to do and just do it. If he asks you to do something, the only follow-up question is, listen, did you want me to jump? How high do you want me to jump? That's the only follow-up question. He's not just your friend. He's God taking on flesh. He's Messiah. Do you understand what I'm saying? But sometimes we treat God such like the friend and, and, and you know, and, all, and we miss the Lord. Yeah. 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 Come on. Real. Now there were six water pots of stone, according to the manner of purification of the Jews, containing 20 or 30 gallons apiece. A There's a whole lot of symbolism here. But the obvious problem here is they had a whole lot of water, but they were out of wine. Just because a person has one thing doesn't mean that that person has everything. How many of you know Whitney could really sing? The woman could sing. But her being able to sing didn't stop her from having a problem living. And just because you're, you're blessed in one area doesn't mean. Understand? So Jesus, he didn't condemn them. He didn't put them down. He simply said to them, fill the water pots with water. I need you to first work with what you have. Then I'll give you what you want. We get what we're willing to work for, not just what we wish for. Jesus is teaching us. And they filled them up to the brim. How many of you know big things often start small? Don't despise the day of small beginnings. Scripture says. You see, here's something I've learned. If you're not faithful with the dear part God gives you, why should God supply you with Dom Perignon? You hear what I'm saying? They had to be faithful with the water before they could get to the wine. You want the wine, but you don't want to do right with your water. Yeah. And he said to them, "Draw some out now." The wedding guest, uh, uh, host, actually, forgive me, didn't realize that they already had most of what they needed. How many of you know wine is 90% water? They already have. You already have most of what you need. Here's the deal. God's not upset by, by, by what you're lacking, what you're missing, where you're short. He just says, if you trust me, I'll make the difference. And a lot of times in life, God said, Derek, bring me the water. And if you bring it to me, I'll make it into something it's never been and never could be without me. It does not help God for you to deny what you do have. It's not humility to say you're nothing when you're something. They had to acknowledge, you know what, I do have water. And God said, well, bring me what you do have and I'll give you what you couldn't have otherwise. But you got to admit what you got before you can get what you want and take it to the master of the feast he's given clear directions now he's lord of the universe he's not just a wedding guest now and he's in his office and mama recognizes that the bible says and they took it I don't know if the miracle happened when they drew it or when they took it All I know is that when they obeyed, it happened. I don't know exactly when God's going to show up in your situation. All I know is when you finally obey, whether it makes sense or not, when you finally obey at some point on the way, it's going to happen. You've
1: been listening to Live Big with Dr. Derek Greer, the radio broadcast ministry of Grace Church in Dumfries, Virginia. It is our sincere prayer that you are blessed and empowered to live Big. Listen to this message and much more from Dr. Greer for free at gracechurchva.org. We also invite you to join Dr. Greer and the Grace Church family here in Dumfries, Virginia, not far from Quantico Marine Base. We would love to meet you and have you join us for worship, teaching, and fellowship every Sunday and Wednesday. Get directions, service times, and much more at gracechurchva.org. That's our time for today. Join us weekdays at this time for the teaching ministry of Dr. Derek Greer. And remember, until next time, live big.
0: Hello, Radio Family. This is Dr. Derek Greer. Due to the COVID crisis, our already crazy schedules have shot through the roof. But in particular, please pray for pastors and church staffs as we navigate through this incredibly difficult season. You know, our government has pledged to graciously support many businesses in this crisis, but churches are are largely on our own. And if we don't support God's voice in our communities, no one else will. So don't forget your local church. Lastly, I want to remind you that God has not given us a spirit of fear. He will never leave you nor forsake you. He loves you, and my Bible says He will keep you as the apple of His eye. There's nothing ahead of you that's bigger than the God that lives on the inside of you. In times like these, it's really vital that we keep our hearts full of God's Word. So if you want to hear faith-filled messages or get a copy of me reading through all the healing scriptures from Genesis to Revelation, go to gracechurchva.org for free downloads. I love you, and our only goal is to help keep you strong. God bless you.